When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is Nebraska really about to do this? Is Nebraska going to flip five-star quarterback Dylan Riola from Georgia to Lincoln? We'll talk about all that here in just a minute. Welcome into the Hard Cap. This is the People's College Football Show. If you're finding us for the first time with all of the Dylan Riola madness going on right now, welcome. We talk college football every single day right here on this show, the Hard Cap, on this platform, the On3 YouTube channel. We're glad you're here. We don't do the hot takes, we don't do the agendas, the high fructose corn syrup, nothing extra that you don't like when it comes to college football. We don't do that here. It's ball and only ball. And ball never stops. As you well know, if you were tuned in to everything going on last night, there were kind of rumbling starting of, hey, is Dylan Raiola maybe, maybe going to take an extra look at Nebraska? Or are they really a player in this whole recruitment? And then it became a thing of, well, there, there's actually some real buzz around here. Chad Simmons is confirming reports that Nebraska is working hard to try and flip Dylan Raiola. And then you got a crystal ball from Steve Wiltfong changed to Nebraska. And then you got the Hayes Fawcett graphic dropping saying Dylan Raiola is going to officially visit Nebraska this coming weekend. So all that's to say, uh, it's popping off right now. All right? If, if you're a Nebraska fan, if you are a rule believer, you're feeling pretty good about where things stand right now. But Hasn't happened at this point in time. Nothing has broken. Nothing is set in stone. There's just a lot of rumblings and a visit that's set. To put it simply, a lot of smoke. Is there going to be fire? We'll talk about it. All right, we'll talk about it. Give, give you our thoughts on what it means for Nebraska, what it means for Dylan Raiola, what it means for Georgia. We've got a lot of thoughts on that, so just sit tight. We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, it is Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. Last one on the face of this planet, so we're going to make it an absolute movie. Talking Raiola, also the portal if it weren't enough to have all the buzz around Dylan Raiola and where he might end up, uh, there's some juice going on in the portal. And it's funny because the whole Raiola story is kind of overshadowing the fact that Riley Leonard just gave his commitment to Notre Dame. So we'll talk about that. Dylan Gabriel also gave his pledge to the Ducks over the weekend. I think that's a great fit. A lot of madness still going on in the portal. So we'll talk about that and where things stand for a lot of those guys that have either just put their name in or some guys that are maybe taking visits, some guys that are committed. Speaking of taking visits, Transfer portal quarterback market, it's pretty hot right now. Cam Ward taking a visit to Miami. Will Howard taking a visit to Miami. Florida State, it sounds like, is in the mix for Cam Ward. You got Will Rogers visiting Washington. So we'll give you our thoughts on where these guys are visiting. We'll tell you where they're visiting as well. And some other visits that maybe we are watching when it comes to the transfer portal quarterback market. All that's to say, if you want a quarterback... Transfer portal is not a bad spot to look. So we'll tell you who's in contention right now for some of those cats. And then also, oh, by the way, they're playing college football games. <laughs> it's got an off-season feel to it with all the storylines and all the player mobility we have going on right now and all the talk around recruiting. National Signing Day, wouldn't you know it, right around the corner as well. They are, in fact, going to play the college football playoff here in just a few short weeks. So I think a helpful exercise for us to do right now, kind of get together, huddle up, and get clear on what these teams need to do to win a national championship. We'll go through all four teams, Texas, Washington, Michigan, Bama, and tell you they win a national championship. They will hoist that hardware in Houston, Texas as the confetti drops if we'll fill in that blank for you. Hey, so glad you're here. Like I said, if you just found us, 
welcome. We talk ball every single day. Would encourage you to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on right here. College football never takes a break. We don't either, so we're glad to have you dialed in. Can't waste too much more time because there's a lot going on. Let's start with the portal and talk about what's going on there, then we'll get to the Dylan Raiola juice as that's probably what a lot of y'all are here for. Uh, Riley Leonard, moments before we came on air, committed to Notre Dame, and this was a surprise to pretty much nobody. Makes a ton of sense, and we said it before he even gave his commitment to the Fighting Irish. This was probably the most mutualistic relationship in terms of who it would benefit. Benefits Notre Dame, they get to keep uh, an experienced commodity at quarterback with the departure of Sam Hartman, really talented quarterback, and Riley Leonard. And Riley Leonard gets to improve his prospects for the next level. Because you'd have to imagine Riley Leonard, he wants to be drafted as high as possible, right? It's pretty straightforward. Well, the best audition you can do if you're Riley Leonard is play in the offense that you may end up playing in when you get to that next level. So play in a pro-style system, strut your stuff. Notre Dame gets to keep, uh, like I said, an experienced and talented commodity at the quarterback position. And I want to take this a step further. I think this is huge for Marcus Freeman. I think this is really encouraging if you're a Notre Dame fan for what it says about Marcus Freeman. Because Marcus Freeman could have very easily said, you know what, let's see what we have on the depth chart. They've had a second to learn under Sam Hartman. You know, we don't recruit poorly here at Notre Dame either. Maybe we'll look back at what we have on the depth and see where we're standing. He's like, no, I, I want to win right now. I want to win now. I'm not, I'm not worried about what's going to happen in 2025 and where we stand in 2026 in the expanded playoff and all that. Like, I want to win today, Junior, is where Marcus Freeman stands. So going out and pushing the envelope, sticking true to what his mantra is, challenging everything and doing exactly that and uh, challenging and, and landing big-time quarterback out of the transfer portal. And that is, of course, Riley Leonard from Duke. So... The, uh, the good folks in the ACC just continuing to be a nice little pipeline over Notre Dame when it comes to getting their quarterbacks uh, for the last two years now from how it stands. Now, another big-time commitment, Dylan Gabriel gave his pledge to Oregon over the weekend, and I love this fit. And when we said it on a previous live show, we were talking about our, our transfer portal quarterback predictions and where they should maybe go. Like, Dylan Gabriel, to me, when I watch what he does from a skill set perspective, he's left-handed Bo Nix. Right? Like, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Dual threat ability. Is able to distribute the football and knows what he's looking at. Also really experienced. A lot of jokes about Bo Nix and how long he played college football. If you're an Oregon fan, you've kind of been taking down some of those, uh, the best jokes you've heard about guys playing college football for a long time by nature of what they said about your quarterback last year with Bo Nix. Just kind of keep a running tally because those same jokes are about to circulate with Dylan Gabriel for how long he's been playing ball. I love this fit. You get to just continue to keep the offense where it is. You don't have to worry about hitting the reset button too hard with whoever's going to play quarterback next for you. Experienced, proven commodity, has the skill set that works for this offense. Again, I think he's left-handed Bo Nix and is more of a point guard. He can push the ball deep if he needs to, but he just knows what he's looking at. He's efficient, gets the ball out, and he's going to be able to continue to run this offense uh, at an elite level in Eugene. Now, Ole Miss has got a couple of big visitors the number one player in the transfer portal, Walter Nolan from Texas A&M, defensive lineman, and then Princely Umanmielen, the edge defender from Florida, both in the portal and both will be visiting Ole Miss. And I think this is crucial because to me, this is the next step for Lane Kiffin. And what I mean by that is if you want to challenge against Georgia, you want to challenge against Alabama, what is the most obvious differentiating factor for those teams when we saw them play in Atlanta? Those big boys on the line of scrimmage specifically on the defensive side of the ball. 
because Ole Miss, we know they're going to score points. As long as Lane Kiffin is your head coach, you feel pretty good about where you stand on the offensive side of the ball. Last year, Ole Miss, they weren't bad defensively, but they did give up four yards of carry. That's good, but to be real, it takes what it takes in the SEC. I said it on a video yesterday. The price of admission to win in the Southeastern Conference is tremendous defensive line play. And Ole Miss has been good, but good ain't great. And great is what it's going to take. So going out and looking at both these individuals, the number one player in the portal, and then a guy like Princely Uman Mielin, whose resume speaks for itself at Florida, I love this move by Lane Kiffin. I think it shows tremendous self-awareness by Lane Kiffin. And I think it shows, again, Lane Kiffin is going to do what he does when it comes to the portal. In 2022, had the number one portal class in the country. In 2023, had a top 10 class. Like, dude crushes the portal. Not much more to it. Two big visitors. And would be even bigger, obviously, if he can land them. Now, a couple of guys that put their name in the portal. Kansas State defensive back, Kobe Savage. Not just the best name in the portal. By nature of his name being awesome, having the last name Savage and first name Kobe, 115 tackles, six interceptions the last two seasons in Manhattan. Dude is a baller, extremely productive. He's going to help a roster wherever he lands at, okay? This is a plug-and-play kind of guy and a resume on tape that speaks for himself. Uh, Jeff Sims, Nebraska quarterback, officially in the transfer portal. Not a huge surprise by nature of his ride in Lincoln, I think when you look at Jeff Sims, the the feeling you have is, well, there's still elite tools there. Like you still feel like if he were to land in the right spot, someone can utilize a six foot four, 220 pound athlete that can throw the football a quarter mile and can run like a deer. Like, yeah, we can probably find a way to use him. The unfortunate reality is for Jeff Sims, he's had struggles not turning the ball over. Six interceptions, one passing touchdown a season ago. It's not gonna cut it. So very clearly Nebraska said, hey, we appreciate you. We got to make a move at quarterback. Jeff Sims, I'm sure, is not thrilled with that situation, but is now looking for a new home. And again, I, I keep saying this. I don't know what the ideal fit would be, but you can't pass on the tools that a guy like Jeff Sims has. And I think he'll land somewhere where, again, I, I don't know where that will be, but I'm excited to see what happens to him because I think the potential there is still through the roof if they can find the right fit and find the right staff to, to utilize his abilities. Now, speaking of tools, one more guy I want to talk about here that committed yesterday, Taylor Green. Transfer quarterback from Boise State, visited Arkansas, said it was great, gave his pledge to Sam Pittman and now offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino. You talk about horsepower. We talked about tools with Jeff Sims a second ago. Taylor Green's a six foot six, 220 pound quarterback. If you turn on the tape, dude is running for like 90 yard touchdowns, jumping over defenders on the sideline and then getting more yardage after. Like you shouldn't be able to do that based on the law of physics. So, uh, I love his fit from a skill set perspective with Bobby Petrino's offense. Like I just said, big body quarterback, similar to KJ Jefferson, a guy who can get downhill, you can call design quarterback runs, also the ability to push the ball downfield. There's a lot to like here with his skill set. And if he can continue to develop as a passer, I think the sky's the limit for a guy like Taylor Green. So we'll see what happens there. But the last couple of seasons, man, 44 total touchdowns at Boise State. The portal is designed for a guy like Taylor Green. You don't have the interest you want out of high school, that's fine. Go to Boise State, do what you do, and if you are in position to elevate yourself to a Power 5 or Power 4, whatever we're calling it now, kind of conference-level school, all right, then you have the chance to go do that via the portal. So, Taylor Green giving his commitment to Arkansas. Listen, the portal never sleeps. Portal does not sleep. Again, we don't take a break on this show either. We'll keep you in the know for all things portal coverage. Really would encourage you to do two things, though. Make sure you follow the Transfer Portal account on Twitter. For Mon3, that's transfer portal, just underscore. 
Get you dialed in for all things portal coverage. They have a running wire for guys that have officially entered their name into the transfer portal. Also, PD Portal. Pete Nakos is just crushing all the coverage when it comes to the transfer portal. He is as dialed in as it gets. Make sure you follow both of those accounts on Twitter. Okay, so Pete Nakos and transfer portal underscore from on three. Appreciate y'all in advance for locking in with us, man. It takes a village. It really does when it comes to the transfer portal. It takes a village. All right, now. If everyone who's dialed in right now could like the video, we'd appreciate it tremendously. I'm going to let our friends know on Twitter that we're about to get to uh, some Dylan Riola talk because this is a big story now. This is a big story. It's going to impact the college football landscape, you'd have to imagine, if he does end up flipping. So we'll start it right here. A lot of buzz starting last night of Dylan Riola potentially taking a second look at Nebraska. So at first it started as a rumble. A little bit of buzz. Then Chad Simmons confirms that report. Then Steve Wiltfond of 24-7 Sports puts a crystal ball in for Dylan Riola to be headed towards Nebraska. So at this point, it goes from buzz, rumblings, to, okay, there, there's actually some real smoke here. This is more than just message board rumors and your buddy texting you and saying you think we're going to flip Riola. So that's the, the first place I want to start this conversation with. Is this real? Is this real? 100% it's real real based on the people that are making reports about this. That's the first piece. The other piece of this, it got a lot more real when the official visit was scheduled from Dylan Riola headed to Nebraska this weekend. All right, if you're happily committed, you don't schedule a visit somewhere else by nature of what I would imagine is true, right? I mean, if you are you know, happily dating, you're not texting other people about where you might want to be going on, on dates with someone else, right? Like that's you don't look around if you're happy. So I'm not saying Dylan Raiola is unhappy, but I am saying there is very real smoke to this whole situation by nature of him having scheduled an official visit. Also, I would tell you this. Talking to people very close to Nebraska, they feel very good about where they stand with Dylan Raiola. Very good about where they stand. So all the smoke, is this real with Dylan Raiola maybe transferring, or transferring, flipping his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska? Very real. Very, very real. Hasn't happened. But there's a lot of real, and where there's smoke, there's definitely the potential for there to be some fire. Make sure you subscribe to the On3 YouTube channel. Talking college football every single day. If you want to stay locked in for all things college football, all things recruiting, all things portal, make sure you subscribe right here. We appreciate you all so much in advance for that. So here's the main question people are going to ask right now when it comes to Dylan Raiola. Hey, why flip? Why, why would you flip from Georgia to Nebraska if that is what he ends up doing? And I think if he does end up flipping from Georgia to Nebraska, the most obvious answer would be, well, why does anybody make any decision when they have two good options in front of them? And to be clear, that's what we have here with Nebraska and Georgia in front of Dylan Raiola. Priorities. Making decisions comes down to priorities. And you have to imagine now, from the outside looking in, the priorities for Dylan Raiola, should he flip to Nebraska, greater opportunity for him to play sooner. Okay, I mean, there, there's obviously a tremendous amount of talent on that Georgia roster. That quarterback room is pretty crowded for Nebraska. If he shows up there, I mean, we'll see what happens with the transfer portal and what Nebraska does, but you'd have to think you have a much less long of a line to have an opportunity to play. Other thing I would say, when it comes to the opportunity at Nebraska, you can either be the next guy at Georgia or you can be the guy at Nebraska. And what I mean by that is, at Georgia, if you win a national title as the quarterback there, 
get you a parade, probably get you a nice little tribute video, standing ovation from the fans every time you go back to Athens, and that would be awesome. There is nothing negative I have to say about that. That would be tremendous. That's something that most college football players dream about, especially at the quarterback position. But if you go win at Nebraska, a place that hasn't made a bowl game since 2016, that gets you a statue. I'm saying that a little bit hyperbolic, but I don't know that we're far off from that conversation. If you go win at a place like Nebraska and take them back to the college football relevance table, I mean, think about the way that you're remembered at a place like Nebraska, a place that values college football the level that they do. Also, I would say this too, purpose gives a different lens to priority for a guy like Dylan Riola. Because what was the thing we said about him all recruitment when it came to Nebraska and his potential of committing there in the first place? Hey, family ties. Dad played there. Uncle's the offensive line coach there. You got some family ties? You got some emotional investment in a place? Probably provides a little more of a, of a carrot to maybe bring that place back to where you think it should be in the college football landscape, where that fan base expects it to be. So in that, in that case, I mean, the priority for Dylan Riola to bring Nebraska back, it would be hard to argue against that. So you talk about priorities. I think there's a lot of priorities that would make sense if Dylan Riola does decide to flip from Georgia to Nebraska. Now, there's going to be a lot of people that'll start, uh, start popping off in the Twitter sphere and saying this about Dylan Riola should he end up flipping. They'll say, well, if he flips... He's just running from the competition. He doesn't want to compete for the job at Georgia. Really? Running from competition? If you flip from a place like Georgia to a place like Nebraska that hasn't made a bowl game since 2016, where much more would be required of you and your abilities to get Nebraska to where you want them to be and much more required of you as a quarterback to elevate a team to achieve your goals, and that's running from competition? From where I'm standing, I think the hill to achieve what you want if you're Dylan Riola, if you do go to Nebraska, becomes much steeper. I think the, the competition level, I think, becomes much more difficult if you're Dylan Riola going to Nebraska in a place that's still trying to get off the ground, whereas Georgia's already at cruising altitude. Now, I understand what you're saying, though. You're saying, well, he doesn't want to compete for his job in a crowded quarterback room. Ryan Puglisi, Gunnar Stockton. He doesn't, he doesn't want to have to wait his turn, is what people are going to tell you. They'll say, well, he doesn't want to bet on himself. To be clear, betting on yourself can look a lot of different ways. And I think either, either way Dylan Raiola goes here, if he sticks with Georgia or flips to Nebraska, he's betting on himself. Because if you stick with Georgia, it's very clear, you're betting on yourself to win the quarterback hunger games that goes on in Athens, Georgia. Right? That's the obvious scenario there that would be betting on yourself. But if you flip to Nebraska, you're betting on yourself that your abilities are good enough to be the change agent at Nebraska to elevate them back to relevance in college football. Because Dylan Raiola, he wants to be an NFL draft pick. He wants to, I'm sure, achieve all the postseason accolades that are out there in college football. He wants to win big games at Nebraska. Being the quarterback, you have a very large hand in doing that. And he understands that. And he would be a very big part of that should he end up flipping. And there'd be a lot of pressure on him to do that. So again, going on betting on yourself, you're walking into a situation where you're betting on your ability to impact the, the positive trend of where this whole thing is headed under Matt Rule. So either way, you're betting on yourself. I don't think it's a running from competition thing. I don't think it's a ego thing. I think it's a priorities thing. And I think it, again, is going back to what do you want to 
essentially get out of your college experience if you're if you're Dylan Raiola? What, what what is your ultimate hope whenever you do end up declaring for the NFL draft? So we'll see what happens here. But how it strikes for either side, it, if you're Georgia, if Dylan Raiola does flip, I think you would feel a lot like you do whenever your friend has already RSVP'd and cancels last minute for coming to the party. So that there's that initial just disappointment. Like man. We thought he was coming. We were going to have a good time. He was going to be here with us, and we were going to go and you know ha- have a good time at this party. But then as time goes on, you realize, okay, we'll I have other friends coming. Still going to be a lot of fun. I'm still going to enjoy this party. Still going to be all good. And that's not to minimize the impact of a Dylan Riola, but when you look at what you have in house in Athens, at this point in time, number one class in the country. If Dylan Riola were to flip, I don't know how that would impact the on three team recruiting rankings. But I do think they're probably still sitting in pretty good position. Also, you have the best coach in college football as your head guy right now, Kirby Smart. That alone is reason for confidence. And then you look at the quarterback room, you have not one but two four-star quarterbacks. One in Ryan Puglisi, one in Gunnar Stockton. And this is, again, assuming that Carson Beck doesn't come back for another year, which very well still could happen at the time of us being live. So just so we're on the same page, like for Georgia, yes, it would be a body shot, but is it a... Is it a devastating blow? Is it, you know, the end-all, be-all? I think you got to look a little bit more closely to what's already in place in Athens, Georgia. Not minimizing losing a five-star quarterback. I'm just saying you're still, I think, in pretty good shape and can still have a good time at that party. But for Nebraska, if if you land Dylan Raiola, let's, let's kind of back this up a little bit. The fact that we're even talking about this right now, I think speaks volumes of the Matt Rule era and the impact it's having so far in Lincoln. Like the fact that we're talking about a five-star quarterback flipping from a national title contender program year in and year out, what does that say about this staff and the way they've made some hay in the very, very short time they've been there when it comes to the recruiting trail? I think it speaks volumes. I think it speaks volumes to their reputation, to their impact. And oh, by the way, think something we haven't mentioned at all throughout this segment is Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord right now is on campus visiting Nebraska. So you have not one, but two five-star quarterbacks in play right now if you're in Nebraska. That's a sentence I don't know a lot of people expected us to say this time last year. So that's the first part. The fact that you're even in this conversation should make you feel really encouraged about Matt Rule and the impact his staff has on the recruiting trail and the way they're building this thing. Other part of this, if you do land Dylan Raiola, the projection of your team in the future that arrow starts pointing all the way up, right? Because you still have to build the roster. You still have to recruit well. You still have to do all the things that are important to winning football games, right? Dylan Raiola isn't the eraser to whatever weaknesses this roster still has if he were to flip there. But you do have to feel a little bit like, all right, we just landed the most crucial ingredient to success in college football. Yes, line of scrimmage is important. Yes, playing defense is important. Yes, playmakers is important. But I sat in a personnel symposium right around a year, year and a half ago and listened to, I believe it was Bill Pullian, speak to an entire room full of personnel department people and say, you need to make sure you have the quarterback right. If you have the quarterback right, that kind of takes care of 70% of your issues. So needless to say, you land a five-star quarterback in Illinois Raiola, the trajectory of Nebraska football, the trajectory of what they could accomplish, you're uh, You're thinking differently than you would if you were not to land him. So we'll see what happens here. Again, Dylan Raiola 
has not flipped to Nebraska, but has a visit set up for this official visit weekend. There's a ton of smoke, ton of excitement in, in Lincoln. And uh, like I said, the people at Nebraska, the folks close to that program, uh, they feel very good about where they stand in position to potentially flip him from Georgia. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this thing, all right? We'll, we'll watch what happens this, this weekend with the official visit. We'll obviously keep our ear to the ground and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on. And we'll absolutely follow that Dylan Raiola story as closely as possible. So big shouts to everyone that's tuned in live right now. Hey, if you could like the video, we'd appreciate that. A little thumbs up button under the picture would do a lot for us. Also, we're going to get to some of y'all's questions here in just a little bit. I believe we'll have a Q&A tab there in that live chat. So don't put your questions in the live chat. There's going to be a Q&A tab that's going to pop up there in just a second. Put your questions in there, and we'll be uh, happy to unpack them accordingly. All right, so the Dylan Raiola madness is taking over college football. But what's also going on is transfer portal quarterbacks taking visits. If you want to try and improve your projected win total in Las Vegas whenever those come out, go land a quarterback, you're probably sitting in a better position than you would if you don't go and address a need in that that sense. So uh, a lot of big-time names are on the move right now, a lot of big-time names taking visits right now. So we'll kind of unpack where those guys are headed when it comes to the visit trail and uh, give you our thoughts on how they would fit should they end up going to some of these places they're visiting. Uh, Cam Ward is visiting Miami today. Miami checks a lot of boxes for the number one player, or number one quarterback, rather, number two player in the transfer portal for us here at On3. Bigger stage, right? You love the Pac-12, it's not going to exist next year. So staying at Washington State, the competition level you could play against going forward, probably not as high as it would be in the ACC. Bigger stage for NFL scouts, be able to put your resume through a better filter for them when it comes to how you project to the next level. Also, I think this offense under Shannon Dawson is pretty quarterback friendly. And there's going to be a lot made about Tyler Van Dyke and about Emory Williams, the success that they didn't have offensively last season. I really believe if you put the right guy in that system by nature of what they want to do, by nature of what they did early in the year, the way Tyler Van Dyke was spinning it against Texas A&M, I think this team and this offense has a chance to be really successful. Um, have to imagine NILs also, uh, or excuse me, Miami has their NIL ducks in a row by nature of them even being in the Cam Ward sweepstakes because he is, again, the best quarterback in the portal. So there's probably some, uh, probably some penny you'll have to pay to land a guy of his services. But I want to make sure we say this about Cam Ward. I think he is the domino that will set the pace for the rest of the portal quarterback market. Like, I think Cam Ward, especially after Dylan Gabriel and Riley Leonard both committing to other schools, I think a lot of folks, a lot, a lot of teams, rather, are watching and seeing what Cam Ward does, and then that'll kind of impact how they move forward with how they will address the rest of their quarterback board. Also, there is potential that Cam Ward visits Florida State. Now, Florida State would make a lot of sense to me for the same reasons Miami does. Checks the boxes in terms of playing against better competition. Checks the boxes more than likely in the NIL department. Uh, the big thing with me with Florida State, and we said this about other quarterbacks potentially visiting Tallahassee or maybe even making the jump to Tallahassee as, as a portal guy, they have a proven track record of success with transfer portal players coming to Florida State, having success immediately. If I'm a transfer portal guy, that gives me a lot of encouragement that I'm walking into a situation where I have a staff that understands my abilities, that understands how I can be utilized and understand how to adequately acclimate me to my new surroundings so I can have success. Like, that would be one of the number one things I would look at, quite frankly, especially if I'm a quarterback. 
Do they do well with transfer portal individuals? Take it a step further for Florida State. They are already up and running as an organization. What I mean by that is Florida State, by a lot of people's accounts, could have and maybe should have been a college football playoff team this year. There's a winning culture. There's a staff that understands the, the standards to win football games. Like, it's a healthy organization. I'm not saying Miami isn't. I'm not saying any other school isn't. But I am saying you know what you're getting. There's a level of certainty involved with Florida State playing at the level they are right now. So for Cam Ward, Florida State would also make a ton of sense. Now, the number five player in the transfer portal, Will Howard, also visited Miami. And what we said about Cam Ward and the NFL and, and you know being able to run your, your resume through the filter of playing in the ACC for NFL scouts, that checks the boxes as well. What I said about the Cam Ward domino, I think also probably is true for a guy like Will Howard. But for me, Miami, as much as it makes sense, I still like USC for him. I still think USC is just a better fit overall for Will Howard for the reasons of what I said in a previous live show. If you're Will Howard, you're looking for the most quarterback-friendly situation from where I'm sitting. Well, I mean, Kansas State, as well as they played last year offensively, I think you still would like to flex the muscle a little bit more of what you can do pushing the ball downfield and being a passing quarterback. USC, they throw the ball 57% of the time. Lincoln Riley, say what you want about his defense. I don't know there's anybody better in the country when it comes to dealing with and developing quarterbacks. Ask Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Caleb Williams. You get the picture. If you want to compete at the highest level and want to help your NFL draft stock and develop at the highest level, I think USC makes a ton of sense for Will Howard. So, Again, visited Miami. We'll keep an eye on Will Howard and where he's potentially going to be headed and uh, any other visits he ends up taking. One more note on Miami. If they were to land either of these guys, I think they're only a quarterback away from being really dangerous. Mario Cristobal, what do you know about him? He's a builder. He's going to build his roster. He's going to prioritize talent acquisition. He's already done so with how he recruited in the 2023 class. Francis Mauagoa, Ruben Bain are both freak shows. Both received a ton of postseason accolades, deservedly so. Having a quarterback to plug into that talented roster that I think is already trending upward, that could make all the difference. Probably need to also attack the portal for some playmakers on the outside. But again, I think a quarterback could be the difference maker for Miami. So landing Cam Ward or Will Howard would be massive for the folks in Coral Gables. Now, speaking of Miami, Tyler Van Dyke played at Miami last season is also in the transfer portal. He made a visit to Wisconsin. And I, y'all, I really like this fit. Really like this fit. I think for, for Tyler Van Dyke, if you're looking for where you should go next, get back to what you do well from a system standpoint. Because everyone likes to talk about Tyler Van Dyke and how he finished last season and how he you know kind of dropped off after 2021. Like What people don't like to talk about is the fact that he had not one, not two, but three different offensive coordinators. So you're changing the playbook three different years for Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah, it's hard to progress. It's hard to get some continuity across the board there for TVD. So as much as you want to say about him turning the ball over, I think if he gets back to a system that he did well in, Rhett Lashley, currently the head coach at SMU, they just locked up for an extension. Uh, air raid offense, pass happy offense. Same thing with Phil Longo at Wisconsin. Get back to what you do well. Get back to a system that plays to your skill set. Go put up numbers. Go have a great NFL career. We'd love that for TVD. We'd love that for Wisconsin. Will Rogers, speaking of a, a pass-happy offense, he is set to visit Washington this weekend. And I said it on another live show. We came to our, our quarterback portal predictions. Like, this makes all the sense in the world for me. If you're Will Rogers, 
my goal is to remind scouts who I am. Because last year, I mean, it was unideal circumstances in every sense. It was not an ideal offense for his skill set going to that pro style kind of approach. He was dinged up. Like overall, probably just a year you would rather, you know, like to kind of forget and, and probably like to make scouts forget. If you go to a place like Washington, go to a place that throws it 37 times a game, go play for a head coach that's going to the college football playoff right now that is doing really well with the quarterback of Michael Penix Jr., who was in New York City this past weekend for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And also, you get to play for an offensive coordinator that Nick Saban sat down and had a conversation with this past offseason and maybe wanted him to come to Alabama and Ryan Grubbs. So all that's to say, the staff, the roster, the culture, all of that is, is I think, ready-made for a quarterback to step into. The offense is the big part for me. Remind scouts why you were that guy that is top five in SEC all-time history in passing yards and in passing touchdowns. Remind them what you did in that air raid offense under Mike Leach. I think Washington makes a ton of sense, and uh, he's visiting there this weekend. I think that's the best fit for him. Now, here's a, an interesting one. There are reports that Dante Moore is planning to visit Oregon. Now, remember, Dante Moore, five-star quarterback in the class of 2023, committed to Oregon originally. Bo Nix says, I'm coming back for another year. He flips and goes to UCLA, and the thought behind that was he wants to play right now. He wants to play early. He did play early, had some good, had some bad, ended up not being the guy for UCLA in the long term this past season. He's now in the portal. Now, you would think, given his recruitment, you're like, okay, well, he wants to play right now. That's what he wanted to do coming out of high school, probably what he wants to do at his next stop. The report and the rumblings are that he would be okay with sitting. He'd be okay with chilling out for a year and learning behind a guy like who? Dylan Gabriel, who is ultra-experienced and could show Dante more the ropes to be a successful college quarterback because this would be Dylan Gabriel. This will be Dylan Gabriel's third stop. So needless to say, the common denominator of Dylan Gabriel having success at UCF, at Oklahoma, and likely now at Oregon, that's a guy that I would be excited to learn under. And I think it shows a lot of maturity here for Dante Moore too to say, hey, I think I understand. Maybe I do need a year to kind of figure this out. Maybe I do need the, the chance to learn under somebody. Because we talk about Dante Moore and his skill set. Charles Power, who's the director of scouting for us here at On3, let me tell you something. He, he doesn't miss. And one of the things that he loved about Dante Moore coming out of high school, the words he used in the first line of his scouting report for Dante Moore, one of the more accurate and efficient quarterbacks in the 2023 cycle. Y'all, if you're accurate and efficient in Will Stein's offense at Oregon, you will put up crazy numbers. Just ask Bo Nix and ask him how that trip to New York City was as well when he was up there for the Heisman Trophy. So that'd be an awesome fit, and I think that'd be a mature decision by Dante Moore if he does end up visiting and if he does end up going to Oregon. One more we got to talk about here, Kyle McCord in a vacuum. I know there's been a lot of buzz around Dylan Raiola and what does that mean for Kyle McCord? Like, we're just going to look at this in a vacuum. It would make a lot of sense for Kyle McCord, honestly, when it comes to the fit at Nebraska. Like, early on, I think I had a hard time seeing why Kyle McCord would want to stay in Big Ten country and go to a place that's, you know, trying to get back to bowl eligibility. And I was kind of just like, man, I, I don't know if I wouldn't love him more in, in a spot that's away from what he's familiar with, get out to the West Coast somewhere, or go get out to the ACC somewhere and throw the ball around. But when I look at what it would require to be successful at Nebraska, I think it could be what drove Ohio State fans crazy a season ago. Like Ohio State fans were so frustrated with Kyle McCord and the fact that it wasn't an offense that scored 40 points a game. The fact that they weren't seeing what C.J. Stroud did a season ago and Justin Fields before him, like that was a frustration for Ohio State fans. 
for Nebraska, that could be exactly what you need. Because Kyle McCord, as much as people make jokes about him being a game manager, if you have a game manager last season for Nebraska, five games with one score losses, I mean, you may very well have ended up winning the Big Ten West and going to Indy for the Big Ten Championship. Because Nebraska gave the ball away two and a half times a game, did not have a quarterback that played for them between Jeff Sims, Heinrich Harburg, Chubba Purdy, that had more touchdowns than interceptions. The best ratio of touchdowns to interceptions throwing the ball was Heinrich Harburg. He had seven and seven. So Kyle McCord was top 10 in QBR in the country last season, had 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. If you're just efficient at Nebraska, you might be in good shape. So we'll keep an eye on that. But Kyle McCord also visiting Nebraska and uh, we'll keep a close eye on all these guys' situations as they move forward and potentially get closer to making a decision here when it comes to transfer portal quarterbacks and the market as it stands right now. Still really feel like Cam Ward is the first domino that's going to fall when it comes to some of those names that we have less of a gauge for. You kind of have a gauge for Will Rogers. It feels like Washington will be the fit for him. Uh, kind of have a gauge for um, a guy like, uh, a, not Dante Moore, um, what am I trying to say here? Uh, Kyle McCord. You're kind of thinking, okay, it could be Nebraska. Like, you're not probably thinking Florida State for a guy like him. You're talking about DJU and where he might end up or visiting. I think Cam Ward's that first domino. And then we start to get more clarity around a Will Howard or around a DJU and guys like that. So keep an eye on those things. Again, keep it locked right here for all things portal, all things college football, every single day of the year. Hey, big shouts to y'all that are tuned in live. We sincerely appreciate it. We're going to keep on rolling here. Again, get those questions in in that queue. We'll ask JD Q&A queue, and we'll uh, make sure we get to those here in just a little bit. Now, with all the portal noise, all the noise on the recruiting trails, National Signing Day is just around the corner. They are, in fact, going to play the college football playoff. Going to be a lot of fun. You got Alabama and Michigan in the Rose Bowl. That'll be an absolute movie. Can't wait for that one. Uh, they'll have Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl will be equally entertaining, different styles of games. But what I wanted to make sure we do before we make our prediction on these games a little bit later, and not later on this live show, but later probably throughout the week, let me know when y'all want to hear about this because we'll probably talk about this later uh, when it comes to our predictions. Let me know when you want to hear those. Uh, to, set, to reset the table here, what's it going to take to win a national title for Michigan, Alabama, Texas, and Washington? They win a national title if we'll fill in the blank right now. Let's start with Michigan, though. Michigan, this is the spot they've worked to get back to. Been heartbreak each of the last two years. There was initial excitement with beating Ohio State, initial excitement with beating, you know, the, or excuse me, for, for winning the Big Ten. Now they're sitting in a spot where that is the price of admission, is beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, and getting to the college football playoff. Can they get over the hump and win a college football playoff game? To me, they not only win the college football playoff game against Alabama, they win the national title if J.J. McCarthy becomes that difference maker. Because to be real, he's developed a lot throughout the course of this season. We talk about his numbers throwing the ball downfield and him having over 250 yards four times throughout the regular season. He had two the season before. He's come a long way throwing the football. But in a spot like this, this is where you really have to open it up and, and let him cook. Because Michigan, as good as they are running the football, that edge, I think, is going to be equalized a little bit more when they play a team like a Texas, like a Washington, like an Alabama that they're going to play in the Rose Bowl. Like, that's not a team I don't think you can just show up and bully how you want to bully. To take it a step further, I don't think this is a, this is a game against Alabama 
where you can just keep it in the low 20s. I think you probably have to score somewhere in the range of 30 to be able to beat Alabama because Jalen Milrow is cooking. And we'll talk about Bama here in a second. But if you want to win the national championship, you got to let J.J. McCarthy take whatever training wheels that you maybe or maybe didn't have on him and let this offense elevate a little bit more because you're going to be able to have to keep pace and match scores if you want to win the national championship. And all that to me starts with Michigan being more multiple. I know they can run the football. They're dinged up on the offensive line. I still feel good about where they stand in the trenches. But is that going to be the differentiating factor? It hasn't been the last couple of seasons. If you want to get different results, I think you got to have a different approach. And that different approach to me is J.J. McCarthy being able to push the ball downfield consistently to guys like Colston Loveland and Roman Wilson. So that's a very, very big factor, obviously, in the college football playoff. It'll be a big factor for Michigan if they want to win a national championship. That Rose Bowl, man, is going to be a movie. Because on the other side of this thing, you got Alabama. And we saw Alabama up close and personal in the SEC title game against Georgia. And tell you what, man, we also saw them week two against Texas. Two vastly different teams. Very, very different teams. And so for Alabama right now, I think as it stands for what it will take for them to win a national championship, I think it'll take them playing their game, to be real. I, th- I think for Alabama, and it, playing their game sounds a little bit simplistic, but to, to be able to win the national championship... I think it'll take them not turning the football over. Because Jalen Milrow, what held them back against Texas? Offense was able to score points. He was able to be special whenever he tucked it and got downfield. But when they turned the corner was when they stopped shooting themselves in the foot. When they stopped giving the, the opposition extra possessions. So they may get a rematch with Texas. But if they end up drawing Washington too, I promise you will have to be able to match scores with a team like Michael Penix Jr. or Madunze. In a game against Michigan, you'll be able to have to Make sure you don't give them that extra possession that they feed off of. Because we've seen Michigan. If you give them a little bit of leverage, they will apply pressure, they will squeeze, and you might not see the football back for a good eight minutes. So them taking care of the football and Jalen Milrow being able to play within himself, I think that makes all the difference in the world for them. Now for Texas, another team we saw in person this year, man, I think it's twofold for them to win a national championship. That's not to say that it's going to require more of Texas than it would of a of a Washington or Alabama, but I just think there's two really key things they have to do to win it all. And the first is simplistic and pretty obvious, but Quinn Ewers, man, he's got to be dialed in. Because think about his journey at Texas the last couple of years. Think about what's happened with him. Early on, it was a little bit inconsistent. You saw him flash against Alabama when he got hurt, and then you saw him go into Stillwater, Oklahoma, his first year starting, half 30 in completions. And you're like, hey, these are Two vastly different individuals. This year, it's been mostly good Quinn, to be real. I know he's dinged up, but what he did against Alabama in week two, I think is the version of Quinn Ewers you need to get in this college football playoff game. And to win a national title, you would need him to be consistent, command the offense, get it to the weapons. When Steve Sarkeesian is able to get some pace with his offense, they're able to get out ahead and play with a, play with a lead like, Texas is very, very difficult to be able to stop and slow down. Like, you don't want to spot them 10 meters in a 100-meter race, is what we say around here when it comes to Texas. Other part of this, the two-fold piece of this, defense has to match the tempo of the offense. Because Texas, they're great in the trenches. All right, we saw that. Tavondre Sweat, Murphy, like those dudes, all-American caliber players. They're going to be good enough on the line of scrimmage to hold serve. But to beat Washington, what's it going to take? Going to be able to stop the pass a little bit. Texas giving up right around 250 yards passing a game. I don't know if that's going to cut it. 
I don't know if that's going to cut it if you want to beat a team like Michael Penix Jr. and what Washington's bringing to the table. So defense has to be able to hold up their end of the bargain because if it becomes a thing where it's a track meet, at that point, like, you're praying all game if you're a Texas fan. You're praying, hoping, wishing for a stop to get the ball back to Quinn Ewers so you can go and score with some more points and maybe just maybe that'll be enough. Defense has to hold up their end of the bargain. Not so much in that front seven, especially though in the back, and that's going to be a very, very big piece of it for Texas. Now, finally, Washington. Let me just say this about Washington, and we said this early on. They're not TCU. They're not. They might wear the same color purple. They may have a similar vibe to them in the sense that they kind of won close a lot this year, especially towards the end of the year. But like, there is nothing fluky about Washington making the college football playoff. Just ask Oregon, by nature of them beating them, not once, but twice. One of those being on a neutral field. For Washington, if they want to win the national championship, I think similar to Texas, it's twofold. First part of this, the offense has to click. Washington and what they do offensively, they're lethal every single time they step out there with Michael Penix Jr. and Roma Dunze. And what they do is spread you all the way out, make you play man coverage, and then they win their man-to-man battles. If they win their man-to-man battle and Michael Penix Jr. is dialed in downfield, it'd be tough to stop. Because at that point, just what we said about Texas a second ago, it's going to be a track meet. And Michael Penix Jr. and company, with how many points a game they score and how they're able to also run the football off of that, if they're in rhythm and clicking from the jump, if you have any stuttering or, or stumbling out of the gate, tough to match them. Very tough to match them. Even more so, this is the crucial part, tough to catch them. So I'll tell you what, that Sugar Bowl, whatever the over is, I'm, I, I might think about taking that if I'm watching that one. Last part of this, got to be physical if you're Washington. The thing we were curious about heading into that Pac-12 title game against Oregon was what will they do running the football? Are they going to be able to generate any kind of balance against this Oregon defense? And Dylan Johnson said, I don't know if y'all know, I'm from the SEC. I'm a bad dude getting downhill. You better make sure you bring that level when you try and attack me. All right, so when it comes to Washington, where they're going to be going forward in this game, in this spot, I think they're going to be a team that challenges to be multiple. And if they can be physical and, and kind of bring those safeties down just a little bit, that's where the magic happens for the Huskies. So all that's to say, this college football playoff will be cinematic in every experience before we get to 12 teams. Last of the four-team playoff. And tell you what, man, this is, this is one of the first years for me where it's like it, it legitimately could be any one of these four teams. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll give you our prediction for these games here in just a little bit as well. Again, get in the comments section below. Let me know. When do you want these predictions? You want them closer to National Signing Day? You want them right now? Contemplated doing it today, but anyway, want to hear from y'all. We appreciate y'all in advance for that. All right, now, thanks to everybody that's dialed in right now, that's dialed in live. Appreciate everybody that's tuned in via podcast as well. If you just found us, we also are a podcast. So if you can't make it live, you're missing out seeing Nick break. You're missing out getting in the question and answer in the live chat, but another way for you to be dialed into the nth degree if you can't tune in live. So, again, attack that Q&A live tab right now. Get us your questions. Going to do a quick ad read for you. We'll get to those in about 60 seconds. So the hard count is brought to you today by our good friends at Roback. And Roback, if you, if you tune into my Instagram stories on Fridays, we do a little question and answer, similar to what we do on this live show. We do it, though, through a video format on my story. We'll pin the question and answer sticker on there, and you'll ask questions. I'm always rocking Roback, and there's a reason for that. They have the best polos, best hoodies, 
best performance crew necks on the market. If you need a polo, you need a, a t-shirt to last you the entirety of your game day experience. I know a lot of us now, when it comes to that fourth quarter, you're sweating a little bit, right? High stakes, especially this time of the season. Roback's got you covered. Great moisture wicking technology, four-way stretch, makes it easy to move in while keeping you feeling fresh. Roback also proudly leading the new NIL charge, having signed partnerships with college stars Cade Klubnik, Kyle McCord, Nick Singleton, Jalen Milrow, who will also will be playing a college football playoff game here very, very soon, and Audrey Estime. They've also teamed up with the legendary Coach O. So here's the most important part. If you want to help the show, here's the deal. Use the code JD, just JD, no periods in between, on Roback.com for a generous 20% off all new customers. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com, 20% off all performance polos, shorts, crewnecks, t-shirts, all that. That's with code JD. Just in time now for the college football playoff as we sprint through the tape on this college football season. Check them out at Roback.com. All right now, best part of the whole show. We call ourselves the People's College Football Show. Can't do that if you don't involve the people into the show. So now the man of the people, the people's favorite producer, Nick Brake. Nick, what's going on, baby? How we doing? JD, uh, here, I'm going to move my mic a little closer. I love it. Uh, man, the Nebraska fans are so back. There's so many questions oh, they about Nebraska left. in our uh, questions tab. So I'll, I'll get to a couple of those, but I do want to spread it out where I'm not focusing on one team too much. So the first question coming from OG Gary. He asks, do you have any information or do you know anything about Utah and if they're getting any players or any guys who are leaning towards uh, the Utes right now, losing a lot of mad dudes, hoping, hopefully we can replace them with some solid guys. J.D., do you know anything about Utah? You know, I think Utah, as they move to the Big 12, the thing that would encourage me the most, though, is they got uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Cam Rising, still running the show for them. And it's funny because I think every year you look at who teams have coming back and what's the roster look like. Like, to me, Utah has been the same team for the last, like, four or five years. And I don't say that in a negative sense. I just mean they're one of those teams you know what they're going to bring to the table. Great quarterback play with Cam Ward. Or Cam Ward. Cam Rising, rather, excuse me. Transfer portal on the brain. Uh, Cam Rising is going to be that dude. Steady hand. Uh, great rushing attack this year was no different. Went and got a safety. Flipped him over to the offensive side of the ball. Said Sione Vaki. We're going to run the wild ute with you and get downhill. Love seeing that. Um, and then also they're going to play great defense. So, yes, the players may change, but I think the identity of this team under Kyle Whittingham is just so solid. They're going to be in good shape, and I'm excited to see what they do going forward. Utah getting a lot of shade. Uh, they had two losses to top 10 teams. Like, the Pac-12 was just brutal this year. So I, I really think that Utah is the same as they were. Um, obviously not having Cam Rising hurts you, but uh, I think going forward they're going to be in good shape. J.D., this question um, coming from Jonathan Rayfield. What is Nebraska's ceiling next year if they land Fleming and McCord, knowing that they have one of the top defenses in the nation? Could you see them in a Big Ten championship? Maybe reminder, obviously, that the deficients are gone. Yeah. That changes things a bit, J.D. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. So I don't know that I'm calling my shot necessarily at this point for like, a Big Ten championship appearance because of what you just said, Nick. That's crucial. No more divisions. And then also you add four talented teams, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington, two of which were competing for a college football playoff spot this past season. I know they have some, some, some change at the quarterback position, but still, they're going to be talented rosters nonetheless. Um, I don't know that you're thinking Big Ten championship at this point, but I think you should be thinking about, okay, we have a very realistic chance to make a bowl game. Like this year, sitting at five and seven, 
your heart just breaks for the fact that they had five games, and Nebraska fans hate to hear this yet again, five games they lost by one score. And they gave it away more than anybody else or as much as anybody else in the country with two and a half giveaways a game. So when it comes to what they're going to be going forward, I think you got to be excited about the, the way they're working the portal, the way Matt Rule is building that culture, the way he's building that roster. He's a builder. Like, we understand that about Matt Rule. He's a guy that builds things from the ground up. He has a track record of success. And I'll say this too, year two for him, historically, better than year one, always. So it's trending positively. And if, if five and seven is the starting point, I know the Big Ten gets more difficult, but I really feel excited about what they're going to be. I think bowling at the very least is what you should expect if you're a Nebraska fan this time next year. How, uh, how about that? If, if they go to a bowl yeah. next year... That's, I mean, first time in, since what? Since 2016. 2016. Since 2016. Where were you doing that? I was in high school in 2016. I was a freshman in college, but freshman I, but I mean, it's still, it, it feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. Feels longer for Nebraska fans. I'm sure. Uh, shout out to Quentin Wiseman also asked that question about the ceiling for Nebraska. Uh, so we got that one. Two birds, one stone, right? Is that, is that the expression? I love it. That's a great expression. Yeah. Two is. birds, one stone. I'm baby. so bad at expression. I always say the wrong thing. No, it's great, bro. Um, this question, look, this is another one that I multiple people kind of talked about. We'll, we'll wrap up the Nebraska stuff here. Um, do you think they could get a guy like Etienne? Um, that's Z Summers. Uh, I, Jeff Christensen is a guy that Bryson Hunter um, was talking about. It's a good question. I mean, Etienne to me feels like a little bit of a reach. And if you could land him, that'd be amazing. I mean, it sounds like there's more buzz around schools like a, like a LSU. He's from Louisiana. And I know Georgia gets a lot of buzz as well with a guy like Tra- uh, Tra- Trevor Etienne, um, Travis Etienne, excuse me. Um, but even so, man, I, I think if you're Nebraska, you feel pretty good about where you stand with that running back room. Like running the ball wasn't the issue for them last season. They, they have a great stable of backs. Um, not to say you wouldn't still like a guy like Etienne if you could land him. But I think when you look to the future, like the quarterback position, not giving the football away is what I'd be excited about, what I'd be focused on when it comes to the portal. So probably not looking at ETN quite as closely. Mm-hmm. I'm a Husker fan, but and, it's the portal. And the other one was Jeff Christensen. Um, J.D., I'm not sure who that is. I'm, you, you know who that is? Bryson Hunter was asking about that. I'm not as familiar. I, I can circle back, though, and then, with him. I can, I, I'd, be, I'd be speaking in, ill-informed if I, if I yeah. commented too, too much further on that. Well, the other one was Princely. You might have to help me with this name. Uman Mielin. There you go. That's another one uh, from Florida that a lot of people, multiple people in this chat are saying, hey, can Nebraska land him? Any info on that, J.D.? I mean, this is obviously uh, not your job to predict the transfer portal. but No, but we, but we, take, we take a stab at it anyway, huh? Yeah. We hey, take a stab yeah, at exactly. it anyway. The ETNs too always confuse me. And speaking about Trevor Etienne a second too. ago, obviously. Every um, time. Every time. They're both T names, man. And it's funny because like they're they're I still think of Travis Etienne as a college football guy. Like I'm not a huge NFL guy. I still think about Travis Etienne at Clemson just lighting it up. Speaking of Trevor Etienne moments ago, obviously. Uh, man Mielin, mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, to me, whenever they take that first visit, that feels like a tone setter to me. And him visiting Ole Miss. You'd wonder if maybe he wants to stay in the SEC. Again, I don't know that to be true. You would just imagine if you're a defensive lineman, if you're a guy who, you know, wants to put his best foot forward for NFL scouts, like the SEC is probably the best place to do that. So his visiting Ole Miss, I'm probably not putting a prediction in for Nebraska to land him, but we will, as, as the old saying goes, uh, that's why they play the games. That's why they have the portal. So, J.D., uh, before we change topics with uh, questions, Jeff Christensen is the personal quarterback of Patrick Mahomes. 
quarterback coach, I should say. Oh, okay. Uh, and then he, he's connected a lot with uh, Dylan Raiola. So that right, okay. has to do with the Raiola situation. That makes um, me feel better. I was like, dude, I, yeah, me too. I, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm like, familiar with that guy, but maybe I should take yeah. a deeper dive into the portal. Well, but yes, okay. I, I do know that they worked the same uh, yeah. with the same uh, quarterback coach. And that would be him. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not sure what the tie is there for Nebraska, but that, yeah, that is his quarterback coach. Yeah, yeah, not sure either. But, you know, Bryson knows something we don't because sometimes these things happen. I'm like, what? where's the juice there? And then it's it happens, like, in the next couple of hours. So, mm-hmm. shout out to Bryson. J.D., what do you say we ask a few more questions? That, I love it, brother. That are elsewhere in college football. Uh, Braxton All says, what happened with South Carolina and Rocket Sanders this uh, past weekend with his visit? J.D., do you know not familiar. We'll keep an eye on Rocket Sanders. I will say this: Nebraska, or not, got Nebraska on the brain. Uh, South Carolina is getting a visit from Vanderbilt quarterback AJ Swan. Hey, AJ Swan, talented individual. South Carolina could be in the quarterback market. Uh, Lenora Sellers, you probably get excited about him if you're a South Carolina fan and what he could be for you going forward. But sounds like South Carolina looking to elevate the experience in that quarterback room and. That'd be a tremendous quarterback battle that we would obviously uh, follow throughout the course of its uh, of its duration. Yeah, JD, uh, this next one, Knox Cleveland. Do you think Auburn can go after all any of these transfer quarterbacks, or do you think they're just going to ride it out with Peyton Thorne next season? Their other, their old transfer quarterback. You know, I kind of thought we'd hear more buzz around them, Nick. I really did. I, I thought this would be a thing where Auburn gets in the game for a guy like a Cam Ward, Riley Leonard. There was some smoke there early with him being from the state of Alabama. But it seems like Auburn's pretty content to kind of just maybe sit back and play the field a little bit. So I don't know that they're not going to be active. It seems like they do feel comfortable if they have to go forward with Peyton Thorne. Um, I should also say this about Peyton Thorne. The big thing for me with him was he didn't get spring practice. And so it felt like throughout the course of the season, he's working to get on the same page with Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze. And it wasn't that he played poorly, but it was very, very obvious what they were able to do or not able to do throwing the football was kind of the big hamstring for them. And if they're able to throw the football against Alabama, how does that game end? Because what he did the run of the football was tremendous. A great athlete, guy that I think fits really well into what Hugh Freeze wants to do. Um, I don't question his ability to throw the football, to be honest. I just think it's a thing of him getting synced up with that offense and getting synced up with uh, the rest of that roster. So giving him another year, giving him a full offseason, giving him a full spring practice at Auburn, I like that. I'd, I'd be excited about where that could, uh, could stand if I'm an Auburn Tiger fan. What are you saying, Nick? We got time for, what, two more? I was at, you stole the words out of my mouth. We're synced up. Uh, Dylan Spell says, do you see any coaching changes coming after these ball games? I'm a Clemson fan, and I know South Carolina's Shane Beamer didn't look too good this year, J.D. I think Beamer's safe, but there are any other coaches elsewhere you think might be out? You know, I think a lot of the big names are probably already decided on. Yeah. You know, like if, if your head coach was going to be fired, I think it probably would have happened by now. And a big reason for that. One, if you had a poor season, you probably aren't playing in a bowl game. And even if you were playing in a bowl game, I would imagine most administrations would say, hey, we appreciate you. We got to kind of turn the page here because National Signing Day is right around the corner. Like if you don't have your head coach by National Signing Day, a little bit of a sitting duck. So I I think if, if there were be moves that were going to happen, they would have happened already is my feel on it. Now, in terms of hirings, Duke in the mix for a guy like Manny Diaz, so we'll see. But I think, I think in terms of firings, we're probably uh, probably out of the woods there, Nick. In terms of coaching changes, I think the only one that could even possibly happen is if Jim Harbaugh said, you know what, hypothetically, you win the national championship. I've done it all. Sharon Moore's the guy. 
But even then, I don't think that's going to happen, JD. Yep. I said in the mix, I, I spoke out of turn there. Manny Diaz is officially the next head coach at Duke. So yes. that's that's a done deal. He was at the Duke ball game on Saturday. Yeah. Yep. That, that was a couple days ago where he became the mm-hmm. uh, the next head coach for the Blue Devils. Um, but when it comes to, yeah, I mean, Jim Harbaugh is the one that you watch. And even there's buzz right there around them trying to extend him and trying to get a contract in place, which if you're a Michigan fan is yep. music to your ears. So yeah, we'll see what happens. That, that's a good point, though, Nick. Still if Jim Harbaugh, done, yeah. that'd be the one that would... That would really throw things into a blender. If we had a, I don't know if there'd be a coaching search though. I think you'd probably just go down the hall and say, "Hey, yeah. Sharon Moore, good news, you're our new head coach. Let's roll." You know? Yeah, and I, yeah, that contract. You're the guy. Interesting, JD. One you're more question. How about Ken to, to knock us out today? Love uh, it. Dark horse SEC team going forward, JD. Ooh, so dark horse like to win the SEC? Eh, compete. Man, we're talking about dark horses. I don't know if they'll be considered a dark horse next year they might just be kind of in the mix but Missouri and what they did this past season standing on business as Eli Drinkwitz would say uh they they to me feel like one of those identity teams that they're going to be consistent going forward for the next couple of years um talk about dark horses as well Tennessee I guess you could throw in the dark horse mix Nico Iamaliava is, is going to be a stud for them going forward I truly believe that he was our number one player in the 2023 cycle for us here at on three there's a, there's a fair amount of excitement there, and there should be. So I think Tennessee and Missouri are two that I'd watch. I'm, I'm not giving up on, on Florida just yet either, Nick. Everyone wants to talk about Billy Napier not being the right guy. and I, We're the last ones to be out there on that branch, so that's fine. I have no issue with that. But Mike Norvell was also left for dead by a lot of folks after that 5-7 and seven season that he had his second year, and then they went and won 10 games. So I'm not saying that's what's expected, but I would just say I'm not selling my stock on Billy Napier just yet maybe not to win the sec but i think that uh i think they'll be a lot better than a lot of people want to believe this time next year yep someone in the chat saying talking about kentucky too if brock vandergriff pops man that could be a guy too that could be a team i say kentucky every year jd and it never happens so i'm done i like it though i like where your head's at i voted for them to finish i think second in the at sec media day so in the sec or in in the east in the sec east okay i like that i don't hate that at all it didn't happen i don't i don't hate that at all yeah. Good stuff, Nick. Well, hey, brother, I appreciate you. Great uh, great crowd today, and you managed mm-hmm. it like a pro, as always. Yeah, if I didn't get to your questions, come back tomorrow, come back Thursday. Absolutely. Man, the myth, the legend, heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick Brick. Hey, again, if y'all find us for the first time today, welcome. Talking ball every single day right here on this platform, Beyond Three YouTube channel. We do this live show three times a week. Okay, so today, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, always at 11 a.m. Eastern. So make sure you're dialed in, subscribe on your way out of here, like the video on the way out of here. We appreciate y'all so much for that in advance. I'm Jody Piquel for Nick Brake and the rest of us here. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all 